We're in this series called Home, and over the last couple of weeks, we've just talked about how, how can you create an environment around you, which when the people come in contact with you, over an extended period of time or a short period of time, you just build this environment around you that says, welcome home to people. And first week, we talked about how in Scripture, God challenges us to carry with us wherever we go a, a sense of responsibility, not for people's happiness. A lot of times we get caught up in that. You're not responsible for people's happiness. People, you, they may have everything great going in their life, and they still choose to be unhappy. That's just happening. You're not responsible for people's happiness. But God does challenge us to carry with us a responsibility for other people's well-being, for other people to experience grace in our presence and experience the character of God in our presence. It's just that carrying on that responsibility of looking around and say, how can I live a life that, is, that carries with it a sense of responsibility for the well-being of the people that God puts in my path. And then the next week, we kind of built on that. We talked about how when we live life, we go into every environment of our life asking one question. We're taught. Uh, the culture teaches us. Our own insecurities teach us. The enemy of God teaches us to ask this question everywhere we go. And it's automatic. We don't even think about it. And we're asking that question. You walked into this room this morning, many of you are asking that question. And the question is, what can I get today? We walk into work. What can I get out of my work? What can I get out of my career? What can I get out of my friendships? What can I get out of church? What can I get out of... And we just, we walk into every environment of our life asking that question, what can I get today? And God steps up and says, listen, I want you to change just one word in that question to be the primary question you ask when you walk into every environment. And that is, instead of asking, what can I get today, walk into every environment asking, what can I give today? What can I give to improve the environment at my work? What can I give to my family? What can I give to improve the environment and the life of those who I'm friends with? What can I give to my church to improve the environment there? You know, just walk everywhere we are. What can I give to the people that God puts in front of me in my path today? And that be the primary question that we ask when we walk into every environment of our our life. And today what I want to do is I want to take hold of this whole idea of creating an environment of home that is around us, an environment that says welcome home, and I want to pull it down and kind of bring it down to the church, to, to, the, to the body of Christ. And so today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you get to kind of sit back and just listen. And, and if you are, I want you to really listen, and I want to be challenged by it. And, and the reason this is so important, the reason it should be important to you is because if you really love someone, you love the things that they're in love with, right? And when you look at the body of Christ, when you look at the church, Jesus calls the church his bride. Now think about that. He didn't call it his friend or his investment or his buddy or something he created. He said it is the bride of Christ. Now think about the intense love that, it, that a groom has for his bride. And it reveals to us kind of the intense love that Jesus has for this body of Christ, the church. And if we really believe uh, ourselves as a follower of Jesus, if we're really in love with Jesus, we're going to be in love with the things that Jesus is in love with. And one of the things he's in love with is the church. And let's see how we can bring this whole idea of creating an environment of home around us, an environment that says welcome home to everyone that encounters. How do we bring that down to and bring it into his bride, the church. Well, to do that, I, I start off with the illustration of a table. And, you know, one of my favorite places is the table. 
I love to eat. And whether it's Thanksgiving and you have family over and it's the big meal, the turkey and all that, or whether it is just you invite some friends over, you know? Hey, what are y'all doing tonight? Come on over. You know, we're going to fix it. Come on over. And you have just some people over, friends over around the table, or maybe just your family on some days when you gather around the table. There's just something enjoyable about the table. And I think part of that could be because uh, the table's where we get fed. We get fed in two ways. We get fed physically, right? We get good food. I've never met Sister Schubert, but that girl can make one heck of a roll, right? I mean, there's good food at the table, and I do love good food. But we don't only, only get fed physically, we get fed relationally. There's just some dynamic that happens around the table. There's types of conversations and interactions and just environment around the table that you can have with people that you don't have you know, at work, you pass them in the hallway and all that, and you may have even conversations around the water cooler, but there's something about when you have them over at the table and you're talking with each other, there's just a, a dynamic that happens at the table that doesn't happen at work, doesn't happen with your friends at school. It, it doesn't happen over texting. You may have a long conversation with someone texting, but there's just this dynamic that happens at the table that relationally we get fed. I guess that's why over the last decade, uh, the hottest room to renovate in a house has been the kitchen. The big thing now is to have an eat-in kitchen. In other words, the kitchen has become, the table has become the gathering place. We don't just, the kitchen's not just where you fix food and go serve it in the dining room. And the gathering place of the house isn't just the den. It's now the kitchen. It's the table that we gather around. It is the gathering place. Because we get fed there. We get fed physically, and we get fed relationally. We like we like the table. Now, I guess that's why the table is, is one of those things that you could say makes your house a, a home. And, and we all can relate to that. There's just that dynamic around the table that we enjoy and we laugh and we connect with each other in a way that we don't just normally in life. And I guess if you understand that, you get why so often in the Scripture, when God is going to describe His kingdom or His church, the dynamic amongst His people, the environment, what, when He wants to illustrate what He wants that to be like, often He uses the table, the banquet, the feast. He uses that dynamic that we experience when we're around the table. He said, that's what I want. For my kingdom. That, that's how I set it up to be. Right? In the Old Testament, and if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 14 is where I'll be with you. But back in the Old Testament, Isaiah, the, the, Isaiah's writing there and he's using some great language. I mean, he's just being verbose in his language to describe what the kingdom of God is going to be like. And look at what picture he paints. Isaiah chapter 25, verse 6. On this mountain... The Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich foods for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. When he's describing what God's kingdom is going to look like, what, what imagery does he paint? He paints a feast, a table of the best. He said, this is that dynamic, that experience you have around a table. That's, that's what God wants you to experience when you're with him and when you're with his people. That's... He's building, what kind of room is God building if you want to give a, a title to the, to the room of his kingdom? It is that of the eat-in kitchen. We gather. 
Then you fast forward to, to John's vision on the island of Pit, uh, Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. And there's a verse there that is often used in an evangelistic setting. And it could be what Jesus wants for those who don't know him, and it can be applied there. But that's originally, it wasn't, the audience of this verse was not those who don't know Christ. It was actually those who know Christ. Because there's a lot of times people who have accepted God's grace in their life and understand who Jesus is, but yet the connection isn't there. The relationship isn't there. And so John writes this, quoting Jesus to us who are his followers. He says, here I am. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, what does he say here? What what does he picture? What does he paint for us mentally? I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. He says to those who are following, listen, a lot of times you know who I am. You accept my grace. You understand the cross. But, you know, we we don't have that kind of relationship where the dynamic is such where I want it to be. And the dynamic I want to be, if you'll let me, if you'll let me, if you'll just open your heart, I will come in. And we'll just gather around the table of your heart. And that dynamic that you experience at the table with your friends, that's the dynamic I want you and I to experience in the table of your heart. And then, there was a time when Jesus was with his disciples. And they were all around a table. They were eating. They were They were having great conversation and just interaction with each other, and Jesus was there. And Jesus, something was said, we'll look at a minute, that caused Jesus to think the way. But Jesus, you got to understand that what he knew was this, that he was the Messiah. He was the one coming to save the world. And what the plan was at the beginning was that the Jewish people who would be the chosen people of God, the people amongst any other people, they would have this very unique relationship with the true one God. For the purpose of not just making them better than everybody else, they would be the ones who would be the keepers. They would be the ones that would be the evangelists. They would be the ones in whom the Messiah would come and they would recognize this is the Messiah that the world has been waiting for. And they would recognize him and love him and follow him. And through that, he would, they would become the ones that would share the gospel, the message of the good news with the world. And that did not come to be. Those who claimed to have such a unique relationship with God, to really know God, what they knew was the religion. And they had expanded it and added it and moved it really away from God. But what they knew was that, and, and, and they loved so much the religion, they became blinded to God to when Jesus was right in front of them, the ones who said they knew God better than anyone, totally missed him. And Jesus is sitting there at the table, and when he's going to describe the fact that those, there's the people who were supposed to tell the world, the people that were supposed to be here and know who I am, they missed me, they didn't get me, I, God was standing in front of them, and they claimed to know God. The religious leaders claimed to be the representative of God on earth, and yet they missed me when I stood before them. But that doesn't mean what I'm about to do is unstoppable, or, or is not unstoppable it is unstoppable they're missing me isn't going to stop this thing it's not going to derail this thing the message is going to get out to all those that are hungry the gospel of love and grace and forgiveness is going to reach every soul it will be an unstoppable movement and so he 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 chooses to describe all that i just said in a story and the story revolves around a what 
Luke chapter 14, picking up at verse 16, says this. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent out his servants to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. He's talking about who? Himself and the Jewish people, particularly the Jewish leadership who were supposed to lead them into loving and knowing and recognizing the Messiah. But they all began to make excuses. The first said, I have bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way now to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. He's saying what? You know what? I came. Got it ready. Now's the time. The Messiah is here. And those who were invited first, they have missed it. Verse 21. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants, go out quickly. He didn't cancel it. It wasn't going to be missed. It didn't, it didn't stop the banquet from going forward. Go out quickly to the streets and the alleys, to the towns, and bring, it, uh, bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And others. This is going to be unstoppable. Those who need it are going to find it. Verse 22. Sir, the servant said, what you order has been done, but there's still room. I love that. No matter how many have come, no matter how many are poor and crippled and blind and lame, I love that, that Jesus said those are the people who are going to come. We try to always look perfect and got it together. And in my, I'm the perfect Christian. God said, you know what, who the table's really for? It's for the broken and the lame and the crippled and the hurting. That's who it's for. And most of us are in that category that we try to convince everybody we're not. But I love that. Even when it was full of those people, there was still room. There's still room. That's the way Jesus is the saying, there's still room for you. There's still room for you. No matter where you've gone or what you've done or you think you're not included in those, there is still room for you. But there is still room. Verse 23, the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of these who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. <laughs> Jesus says, if you want me to describe what this thing I'm about to do is going to be like. You know, he's sitting there talking with his disciples. He knows in just a moment he's going to be arrested and beaten and, and tortured and crucified. And then he was going to rise from that grave after he died. And, and through that, he was going to start this movement called Christianity. He was going to birth this thing called the church. He says, hey, if, if you want me to put words to this thing called the church that I'm about to birth, the, the dynamic that is to be there, the environment that is to be there, what, what, is, what is to characterize my body, my people, my church, it's the same thing you find around this table, guys, that we're experiencing right now. In fact, right before he tells this story, one of his disciples says something that causes him to kind of tell that story. This is what the church is to be like. This is what this movement of Christianity to be like. It's like what we're experiencing right here. He's saying that because it's like one of his disciples kind of got it. Right before he, he starts that story, it says one of his disciples said this, verse 15, Luke chapter 14. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed, that word in the original language means happy. Happy is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. 
you, you can almost sense this guy was sitting there at the table with all the other disciples. And they're having a great moment. They're laughing, they're talking, and not necessarily heavy stuff, you know, talking with each other, maybe something they experienced, maybe something they saw, maybe, some, maybe a couple of them are getting into some deep things about God. The other ones are talking about somebody that was at their last gathering that was kind of weird, you know, just all kinds of little discussions going on. And you almost sense this one disciple leans back and goes, this is awesome. Here we are at this table enjoying each other's company, having a great time with each other, and here is the Son of God in with us. And it's like it hit him that this is what the kingdom of God is like. This is what the kingdom of God is supposed to be like. It's supposed to be about us gathered together, having great relationships with each other, and in the midst of us having this dynamic, this environment, these just loving and enjoying each other, in the midst of all that is the Son of God. That's what it's about. And it's like he says, Jesus, this is, this is what it all should be about. This is what it's about. And then Jesus breaks in to talking and basically saying, yes, this is exactly what it's about. The church is God's table that everyone is invited to, and there's always an open chair, a place where we connect with each other and a place where we connect with Christ. You get that, right? I mean, from Isaiah to Revelation and John to Jesus to his disciples, all of them have constantly used this kind of, hey, you want to know what the, what the body of Christ is to be like? You want to know what, what the kingdom of God is to be like? You don't want to know what the church is to be like? It's like when you go over and have a great table experience. You're having with each other, and at the table is not just your friends, but it's Christ as, as well, having that. With, that's what the church is to be about. You get that. Really, to have a great table experience, you've got to have four things. The first one is you've got to have great food, right? You ever, and you may not ever want to admit this, but have you ever been invited over to a friend's house or family member's house and the food was absolutely terrible? It kind of ruins the whole moment, right? I mean, it's a great conversation every day, but you get back in the car, it's like, what was that, you know? Back when I was young, foolish, and ate a lot of fast foods and everything, Jan and I were early married, first pastorate. And this church, you know, when I got there, we transitioned the church like to kill me, but it was a great experience. Loved the church. To this day, they love me. But it was challenging because when I got there, you know, I was 28. A friend of mine, there's a couple there that was like 28, and everybody else, the youngest, was like 60. So they were a little more mature, church. And so we got invited to a lot of Sunday lunches because that's what you did with the pay. You didn't pay him anything. You just fed him to keep him alive till the next Sunday on Sundays, you know. <laughs> and so we, I remember distinctly, and of course, like I said, I was young, dumb, and on fast food and everything else that tasted good and not good for you. And I remember distinctly going over, by the way, this is going to be online. Okay, but anyway. If you're in Wichita Falls, Texas, just don't listen to the next few minutes, all right? But anyway, uh, I remember distinctly going, being invited, and I don't know where their husbands were. They were. Now that I think about it, they were smart. I was invited to this lunch with all these senior adult women that were all in like their 70s. They were senior, senior, right? They were in their 70s, 80s years old. And, 
over lunch this, and, and Jana and we had one child then, we, and we were going over there lunch, and I remember sitting down, and the first thing they put in front of you was a carrot jello salad. And of course, in my mind, jello was dessert, carrots was something you didn't eat, and now you're putting them together. And I ate that, and the whole day was kind of like that. And I remember getting back in the car, was who mixed carrots with jello? It doesn't make sense. You go to one of those experiences where the food doesn't meet your palate's taste. It kind of ruins the whole moment, right? Well, one of the responsibilities, the church is God's table. And one of the things we are to do is to serve food. And one thing that we will always do is make sure we serve the right food. Because without the right food, what's the purpose, right? And the food of the church is the scripture. The food of the church is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not to serve philosophy of man or opinion or thoughts or the latest fad or what is politically correct or incorrect. We are to serve the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are going to serve the scripture of Jesus Christ. And there are moments just like going and eating where it tastes really good. Where you get and you taste a little bit of of God's love for you and God's grace and God's commitment. How God will forgive you again and again and again. And how no matter what anybody else says about you, you are somebody of significance because the God of all creation created you and valued you. And in Christ, he has put his name on you. You are a child and a son or daughter of the king of the universe. That means you're significant. And I don't care what your friends say, so-called friends. I don't care what anybody else says. Sometimes you're going to to take that in and you're going to hear that through scripture we're going to tell you that here and it's going to taste so good and we're going to serve that to you and sometimes we're going to come to things that you need just like some things you need to eat they're good for you but you may not want to we talk about things like god's call to forgive and to work on that and to to nurture that and 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 we don't want to hear that sometimes or, 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 or when God talks about giving, as Chris talked about, when he talks about making him a priority in all parts of our life, there are some things that we need to hear that we don't really want to hear. But we're going to serve that to you. Because if we're going to be true as a body of Christ here, we've got to make sure that we serve the right food. And the only food that is to be served is the gospel, is the scripture. My job is not to create truth. I'm just the chef. I'm just the guy that comes and prepares it and lays it out for you. You've got to have great food. Second thing you have to have is hungry people. You know, in the past, I would have just said, everybody's welcome. There's always a seat. If you're hungry, come on. And kind of went on to the next one. But over the last several years, I think more and more, I'm just realizing there are so many hungry and hurting people. I think when we're hurting, it makes us hungry. We're hungry sometimes for relief, and that doesn't come as fast as we want it to. Sometimes we're just hungry for direction, hungry to be healed. But when we're hurt, one of the things that we become is we become hungry. And sometimes in life, maybe we've chased after something, and we got it. (laughs) When we thought it was going to be the answer to everything, only to find out that we're still hungry for something, because our soul is hungry for him. And when we try to replace that with something else, it satisfies that best for a season. But there's so many of us that are hungry. When you come in today, let me tell you something. If you're hungry, the table of God is the place to come. 
It is the place that will satisfy a hunger that is deep in you that nothing else in life will satisfy. And you will be fooled to thinking and you'll run and you'll run and you'll run and you'll get it and you'll get it and it'll maybe satisfy for a season but then you become hungry again. It is the truth of God. It is that relationship with Jesus that truly satisfies what our soul is most hungry for. And know this. As you run and you run and you try to have it satisfied and you try to have it satisfied and when you realize those things won't. To the level that you are hungry for, there will still always be a seat at the table for you. You never run so far away that God takes your seat away. He says, sorry, there's no room for you. Because you see, the table is set for hungry people. The table works best when those who sit at it recognize that they're not coming to sit out of duty or because they want to appear good, they come and they sit because they're hungry. And the best people that fill up God's body and God's church is the people who realize, I am hungry for you, Jesus. I'm hungry for your truth. I'm hungry for your work. I'm hungry for you to change my heart. And in places I want it changed, and in places that I need it changed, I am hungry for you. A table works best when there is great food, when there's hungry people. And the third thing that it has to have is mutual care. And what I mean by that is this. Think about the difference between McDonald's and the table at your house when you have friends come over. There could be great food served at both places that tastes very good. <clears throat> to some degree, you're, you can get you know, some satisfaction at either place. But what makes it different, what 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 makes the dynamic different between McDonald's and, the, and your kitchen table when you have friends come over is the mutual care. You know, when you go to McDonald's, you don't care about the people that are there. I mean, I don't mean that in a negative way. You just want to get your hamburger and fries, right? I mean, you don't come in and, I mean, a lot of times you don't even recognize people there. You go in, get your food, and leave if you don't go through the drive-thru. You're just in and out. All I need is to get my food. That's all I'm here for, get my food and go. But even if you stay there, you come and you sit down. You don't look up and go, hey, how's everybody, right? Hey, you got Big Mac. That's a good choice. Good job. What's your name, Sally? Hey, Sally, how are you? Got a good day? You don't do that. You just sit down thinking, no one bother me. I got my phone, got free Wi-Fi, and I'm going to eat. Now, unless you're my wife, because she can get to know anybody anywhere, anytime. She'll know everybody. But for most of us, we don't really care about the people in the room. But when you're invited to a friend's house, you're sitting at the table, maybe another couple you don't know very well are invited, and, and the common denominator is the host, and you're all sitting at a table. There's this, this sense that, hey, I, I need to at least care about you to the point of, hey, I'm Jerry. And you're starting a conversation. Maybe they say something about their life, and you share, and all of a sudden you're sharing, and you're having that kind of dynamic. At the end of the night, because why? There's this kind of mutual care. There's that mutual kind of concern for the, everyone's well-being. There's that interaction that comes out of that mutual care. At the end of the night, what do you end up saying? You go to the door and you say, hey, everybody, let's do this again sometime. This was fun. I mean, you don't do that at McDonald's, right? You don't stand up and go, hey, everybody. I'm so glad you're here. I've got to go now. Let's all do this tomorrow, all right? Everybody sit in the same place. So when I come back, I'll recognize everybody's name. No. The things that's missing, it's not that you hate everybody there. The thing that you're missing is there's, 
no mutual care, but at a table, one of the things that makes it a great table to come and sit and makes you want to come back is when there's this sense of mutual care for each other. And that's why I challenge you, on the Sundays you're here, and to me that doesn't matter whether you're here every single Sunday or whether you're here two a year. I want you here more than that. But regardless of how many times you're here, the same dynamic is true. When you come to the table, this part of the table that we call Piedmont, this part of the body of Christ we call Piedmont Church, I want you to always remember how valuable that is. Because if you treat us like your spiritual McDonald's, which is, I guess, Chick-fil-A, but if you treat us like the spiritual Chick-fil-A, you come in here and you think, you know, my job is like you're going into McDonald's. My job is to come in here and get the food, and eat it, and go. I'm coming here to get good worship. I'm coming here to get good teaching, and then go. Maybe talk to a friend on the way out. Hey! You're not really helping us to become the table that God has called us to be. Because one key aspect of the table is this mutual care. It's coming in and saying, and, and I'll expand on this in a minute, but it's coming in and, and saying, you know, I, I, it's not just about me getting something out of here. Last week, it's about me giving something here. It's not just about me coming in and treating it like McDonald's, but treating it like the table. And there are people here that have been invited to the table. And if I'm going to show mutual care, I need to make that effort to get to know them. At least recognize them. At least acknowledge, hey, I'm glad you're here. I care about you. Just looking across the room and seeing someone you don't recognize. And when we're finished here, going over there, not running out to talk to your friends, but first going over to them and say, hey, I'm Jerry. And I don't think we know each other. Or maybe, hey, I know you. You know, I know we have mutual acquaintance, blah, blah, blah. My name's Jerry. And then if you don't know what to do, I said this last week, if you don't know what to do after that, just do this. Tell me about yourself. Everybody, all of us love to talk about ourselves. Just say that. And it doesn't have to be you're just in, in, you know, engrossed in every aspect. It doesn't even have to be a long conversation. Maybe it is. Maybe you end up, this would be awesome. You'd say, why don't you grab and go to lunch with us? I've talked with you the last several weeks, so why don't you just go with us? But you know what? Just giving people a little extra effort and just giving people an acknowledgement that you recognize their presence. You know what that says? It says, I care about you. And if the table, the body of Christ, is going to function in the way that Jesus intended for it to function, it's going to have great food. It's going to have the gospel, not man's philosophy taught. It's going to be a place where it's filled with hungry people. We come recognizing our need. And as well, it's going to be filled with people who want to share mutual care, that want to reach out and say, I want you to make sure you understand I care for you. And here's the thing. You don't have to wait for somebody else to do that. You don't have to be here for so long. If you're a part of the body of Christ, you're in Christ, you can create, start today and be that person of mutual care with someone else. And the last thing you have to have is you have to have people who are willing to push away from the table. What I mean by that, you can come to a table and have a great table. Have good food, ham, biscuits, cake, uh, corn, beans. You can have all the great food. Have great sweet tea. But if someone's not willing to push away from the table, the table isn't going to be ready. If everyone just comes in and sits down and says, let's go. Well, then who's going to make the tea? Who's going to bake the cake? 
Who's going to get and slice the ham? Who are going to make sure the rolls are warm? Who's going to put ice in the glasses? Who's going to clean up after it's all done? You see, for there to be a great experience around the table, there has to be people who are willing to push away from the table and get up and serve somebody else. Now, this is, again, isn't just my philosophy. I, I, don't, I think sometimes we fail to understand the importance that Jesus puts on this. In fact, and, and Paul writes in Scripture, tell, talking to the church, he says, listen, listen, God, as we go on in this thing called Christianity, it's the church evolves. God is going to raise up people who are prophets and, and teachers and preachers. He says pastors. He's going to raise up these people, and they're going to teach you. They're going to challenge you. For the purpose of, and he doesn't say it's for the purpose of so you can know Jesus better. That's part of it. For the purpose of that you can become deeper theologically. Well, hopefully you'll deepen theologically. But it's not for that. He says, that's not, that's stuff that comes as a part of the process. That's not the end goal. That's not the mean, that's the, that, that's not the place where ultimately all this is trying to get you. It's just to know more. And Paul says, listen, there are going to be, God's going to call to raise up people to be pastors and teachers and uh, evangelists and prophets, and they're going to teach you and they're going to challenge you. They're going to bring the word to you, and you're, sometimes you're going to love what they have to say, and sometimes you're not. And here's why, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. Two, here's the purpose. Here's what all this is heading toward. To equip his people. All right, good. To get you ready, to mature you up. For what? To know more. No, for the works of service. You could write that. He's going to bring people that are going to challenge you and mold you and deepen your understanding of Christ and his love and his grace to get you ready to push away from the table. Not just to come and take, take it, but to push away from the table. Why? Here's why. So that the body of Christ may be built up. Jesus says that God is going to call us to value pushing away from the table. As Paul says, listen, the whole purpose of what, what, what God is going to call these people up to train and, and challenge you and grow you and stretch you and mature you and help you develop in the character of God, they're going to do all that not just so you can be better, but so that you can do better, so that you can be challenged on to love and good deeds, so that you will push away from the table, so the table can be ready for those who are hungry to eat. Now, what does that look like? Well, I think one way it looks like, and I think this obvious way, is, of course, volunteering in the church. You know, stepping up and realizing, you know, I, I, sometimes I need to push away from the table and serve those hungry people who are sitting around the table. And I mean, maybe some of you, it's in All-Star Kids, or it's in our student ministry, or Treehouse, or maybe it's being a greeter, or, you know, working in our production and being on the, in the band. You know, there's so many places and you find that place and you just say, God, where do you want me to push away from the table? But it's bigger than that. And that's important. But you ought to have the attitude that every Sunday, whether you are serving in a position or not, you need to spend some moments pushing away from the table. And I hinted to it already a little bit, that it, it's taking responsibility for the experience of people that are around you. Wherever, you know, just around you. Every Sunday you come. That, that I, I am not just to come in and just take in and take it and enjoy it and expect other people to push away from the table, push away from the When someone says, I went to that church for a long time, no one knew who I was, and no one, I always say this, well, you know what, you should have pushed away from the table long before that and helped create an atmosphere where no one else experienced that. 
But every Sunday, those of us who are in Christ should say, you know what? I need, before I leave today, have a moment where I push away from the table where it's not just about me and what I'm getting and having a conversation with my friends. And all that. It's me pushing around the camera and looking around and saying, you know what? Who can I go serve? Who's somebody that I could serve? Maybe it's coming up and saying, you know what? I just want to give you an encouraging word. You did this, or I saw you do this, or, you know, you sang real well, or this or that, and I just, I just want to serve them, but just, just encouraging them. Maybe that's the way you push away from the table. That's a small, that's pushing away from the table. Maybe it's, you know, you come and introducing your somebody, inviting someone to go to lunch with you. It's just, every Sunday you come, you should ask the question, I don't need to make today just a day where I just come and expect everybody else to have pushed away long enough to make sure that the table was prepared for me to come and feed. But I need to thank God, where is it that I need to be pushing away from the table and getting up and making sure the table is ready for hungry people? Is that God some ways you want me to serve on a regular basis? And let me say this, we're going to send out an email. If we have your email address, make sure we have it. You can fill out one of those connections. We're going to send out an email this week. And we're going to list out, here's some areas of opportunity that are our are most wanted right now we really need some of you to step up we're going to send that out to you we got a, a, a church that serves a lot a lot of you serve and we're so thankful but maybe you know that something god where is my place but even aside to that god every week i should have moments where i push away from the table and i find someone to introduce myself find someone to encourage find someone to help out some find someone to invite to go lunch with me find somebody in some way somehow that I can push away from the table and just serve them a little bit. Because if the church is going to be the table that Jesus experienced or, or desires for it to be and, and the people that come experience it in a way that Jesus wanted to be experienced where they come hungry and get fed, relationally and spiritually, those two are often connected, then you know what it's got to have. It's got to have good food. It's got to have hungry people. It's got to have people that, that show mutual care. It's also got to have people who are willing to push away from the table and say, you know, I don't just need to come and expect other people to have pushed away and have it ready for me. But I need to push away and serve so the table will always be ready and always be a welcoming place that hungry people can come. You know what will happen? You know what happened if we do that? that that's, I'm very passionate about that becoming, that being the, the primary culture that we cultivate here at Piedmont. And when that happens, when that becomes that, that primary uh, environment or culture that we cultivate, that this becomes God's table, that we serve good food at, and hungry people are at, and we have that mutual care, and we're passionate about serving, not just being served. You know what happens? The environment that we come and we enjoy doesn't just become a place of good food, good spiritual food, good preaching, and, and good worship. But it becomes a place that every person who walks through that door, our culture says to them, welcome home. Welcome home. There's a seat for you at our table. Come get fed. Spiritually, come get fed relationally. Welcome home. That's what Jesus wants. His body, his bride, his church, his table to be like. And the reason it's so important that we develop a culture and environment that says welcome home is because I don't care who you are. 
everybody needs. 